Podcast. This is your host, Gordon Van, and co-hosting with me today is Hal Armstrong from Snowtech Magazine. Uh, so we are on the eve of the first uh, Snowcross National uh, this year uh, in Duluth, Minnesota, just uh, over uh, a week to go. And um, so we're going to call up a couple of the uh, the big race teams, and we're going to ask how testing's going. The, you know, maybe talk about their new sleds, uh, the pluses and minuses, uh, how their how their sleds are going, uh, what uh, what they need to do to uh, to uh, make them the best sleds this year uh, with the new rules. So first on the dock is uh, Steve Shearing from uh, Shearing Speed Sports. Uh, uh, their sponsorship, Amsoil and uh, Milwaukee Tools and uh, the uh, Air Force. Uh, Steve comes on and uh, and talks about uh, uh, you know the uh, last season, uh, how uh, Tim was leading uh, up to the very last race of the year and uh, lost it uh, because of a, a dry belt malfunction. Uh, kind of a tough way to go. He led uh, most of the year. So here we go. Uh, here's uh, Steve Shearing. Perfect. Love it when things go together. Hello. Hello, Steve Shearing. How are you? Well, fantastic. How are you? Yeah, it's going great. It's Gordon Van, and I have on the line with me Hal Armstrong, who's my uh, my co-host and um, uh, an, an avid snowcross enthusiast, and uh, also writes for Snow Tech Magazine. So uh, uh, he may have some vintage uh, questions for you later too. But uh, um, oh, I love him already. I know. Yeah, you love him already. Yeah, he just, he just mentioned that to me. He says, "Isn't Steve a vintage collector too?" So I says, "Yeah, I think he is." So we can we can talk about that too. Um, you got a you got a uh, you got a testing track out there. How's things going out there uh, testing? Well, you know they're going fantastic. We had crazy cold weather this year, and we had enough snow made almost two weeks ago. So um, our drivers have been practicing for about ten days now, and all the you know the majority of the big pro teams have been here for oh dang near a week now, and a ton of sport and junior guys and. I mean, we've got a track that's probably bigger than Spirit Mountain right now. Really, that's that's awesome. How, what's a, what's what's the kind of the daily uh, amount of, of riders you're getting? I, I guess everybody from out east is all converging out uh, out west now, to, heading towards Duluth. So they're probably stopping by at your place. What's been the, what's been the, like the turnout? Uh, and are you getting all manufacturers out there, like all the uh, big teams and everybody out there? Yep, yep. Well, obviously Yamaha's not involved with the sport, but there's Articat teams, uh, Skidoo teams, and Polaris teams, and it, it's a great spot because we're only an hour north of Duluth, so the the you know the, the elevation is the same as Duluth. Hello, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, hang on. Okay, oh, are you still there? Okay, good. I thought I lost you there. Okay, I got I got every, I got everybody on here. We lost Hal for a second here, <laughs> so that's uh, okay. Is okay. he back now? Yeah, I'm on. Oh, perfect. Okay. Okay, so, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we had, I mean, it's a great spot for everybody to come. We get a lot of influx of the uh, the CSRA, the SCMX, uh, the East Coast Circuit. They all come here, and, you know, Skidoo has got their support trailer here. Polaris has got their support trailer here, so it's kind of the spot to be. Great. Awesome. Um, so um, you got a, you got a brand-new sled this year. Um, how's uh, your, your team riders, uh, Tim Trombley and Lincoln Lemieux, how are they, they liking it? You know, they, they like it. It's, uh, it's a nice piece that Skidoo 
um, really built, and they, they really set the mark on technology. It seems like we're using a laptop computer as much as a 13 16 wrench. Yeah, uh, really. The technology is just really advanced, and, you know, we're getting our arms wrapped around that. Skidoo's been very good about you know, working with us to, to create this product, but it's a nice vehicle. Yeah. Um, has, has there been any challenges at all with the, with the new sled, uh, um, chassis wise, engine wise? I mean, you, you got it. You got an amazing engine this year and I'm sure all the listeners are quite curious about this new engine and the new Skidoo, uh, you know, could it be that in next year's production sled, I think has been the rumblings and, uh, cause it looks like a sweet engine. It's a, it's a variation of the, uh, of the 850. So, um, I think a lot of people are interested to see what this new Skidoo is going to go like. You know, from what from what my drivers have told me, it's got a lot of power. Uh, it feels more powerful than the stocks they've run in the past, and comparable to the mod sleds that we were racing last year. So I think they've got, you know, hit the nail on the head with the jackpot on this one. I think it's going to be strong. The whole sled as a whole, we've been pounding on it for about ten or twelve days, and really haven't any big issues. You know, a couple little. Um, knobs or something might have broke off from a driver's knee hitting it, but other than that, it, you know, knock on wood, it's been a great vehicle. Yeah, those are the small things you got to work out now. Just like you said, those little knobs and uh, getting the handlebars adjusted, and just everything that the uh, that the, the pro riders want. I mean, it, it's the fi- it's the fine details that the, that makes the rider go faster and faster. Yeah, so we'll have uh, you know the whole Skidoo support team is here this week. The, guys from KYB Enzo are down here supporting us so it's all hands on the week before Spare Mount to make sure that all the Skidoo teams not only ours um, have the best support possible. Yeah, Hal you got a question for Steve? I got a couple couple questions Steve can you hear me? I can hear you perfect. Okay perfect Um, so just looking at at uh, your results last year your drivers finished uh, second and uh, fourth overall in the standings right? That's correct. Yeah, so you guys had probably probably the best run of any of the uh, of the teams. How much? Uh, what kind of preparation have they uh, have they done coming into the this coming race season? Well, as a team in the whole, the drivers they take about two weeks off after the last race in Lake Geneva, and they're right back on the training bikes at that point. Uh, this year was kind of a little bit of a a change for the mechanical side is as the rules change and it didn't allow us to be innovative and creative this summer. So we didn't have the opportunity to, to really get new vehicles in our hands until mid October. And with the new, you know, pro stock rules or no light rules, I guess they call them. The innovation has kind of gone a little bit there. So we're basically just trying to make sure that everything is perfect from a tuning aspect or a shock tuning aspect so that, you know, we've got the limit of what we can do on everything for a stock chassis. Um, Steve Thorson's your mechanic. Is that, isn't that right? Yeah. He's one of them. That's correct. Yeah. So I was talking with Steve, uh, earlier this year and, uh, um, you know, he was talking about the, uh, the rule changes. So with the new sled, is it the same as in the past? Uh, you tear it right down and go through it or is it, uh, have you pretty well left it alone right from the factory? Well, for sure, you know, we take them apart so we understand how they're, how they're built. And if we do get into a crash, you know, how do we repair that? Um, everything is getting more technology advanced, and, and that creates um, a little bit of a challenge from a time standpoint. Before, 
You know, you could take a motor out in 15, 20 minutes. Now you probably have to order a pizza by the time you get the motor in and out because of so much calibration involved. So that's really, you know, added a little bit of a challenge right now. We'll get better at that as we understand the vehicle a little better. But they still come out. We, you know, still our shocks are hand, I don't want to say hand built, but built for our drivers. And you just got to massage everything to make it perfect. Okay, so just for our listeners with the rule changes, what, what exactly, what freedom do you have uh, on the sled as far as individual teams? Like what can, what can they, uh, you know, fans expect to see difference between your sleds and other Skidoo teams other than graphics on the hoods and that? Well, in pro light, you have the headlight on, and in pro open, you turn the headlight off. That's probably the big difference that people are going to see. Um, I mean, you know, being brutally honest, I think the sport went backwards 20 years when that happened. Um, It it just really sucked a lot of fun out of it, for lack of a better term. You can take, you know, obviously you can massage the shocks. You can put a a different manufacturer shock on if you choose. Uh, I think the skis are still an open rule. We run the production skidoo skis because they're so good. Uh, there's so there's an allotment for some titanium springs, and that's pretty much about it. You know, you you can take obviously and use tuning components in the clutch. You know, springs or cams or ramps and things like that. But you can't do any grinding in the clutch. You can't do any modifications. Uh, you okay. can't do any weight saving. So you're basically taking every piece and making sure that it's tuned as close to perfection as possible. Okay, so the days of using, like, titanium springs, uh, that's all gone. you got to use everything stock. Well, they, they still allow titanium springs on the shocks and uh, um, on the clutch springs as well, which I don't know if that's a good idea or not because the whole mantra behind this was to kind of save costs, and titanium springs are fairly expensive. Um, you know, it's $1,000 for a set of them easily. And I don't know if that fell into the realm of cost savings or not, but that part got okayed. And as team owners, we don't have a say in the rules. I mean, they can take our opinion, but we're not allowed to go to the meeting, even though we probably have more skin in the game than anybody else. Yeah. What uh, what involvement did uh, did uh, your team have last year in the uh, development of this sled? Uh, did you kind of know like a year ahead of time that this this chassis was coming, and you had some input in the design, or or no? Well, we been fortunate, you know, kind of worked on this project off and on for about a year and a half, and we were also involved when the rev came out, and then at the time I was players, we worked on the development of the IQ. So we've been pretty fortunate, been on the forefront of each new platform coming out in the last 12 years, um, the big thing is ride it, see what breaks, see what comforts the rider doesn't like, what he does like, uh, how is the balance of the sled, and it's just an ongoing process to, you know, refine as you go. And it, 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 like I said, knock on wood, you know, it's ran fantastic so far. 
Okay. Um, Gord? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Steve, um, when you're doing your your testing right now, what, what do you what do you what is your procedure? Uh, do uh, Tim and, and Lincoln uh, do the, do they go out and uh, do motos uh, like uh, twenty minute, thirty minute motos, uh, um, and and kind of come come in and say, uh, Steve, I need I need this changed. Uh, can you can you do this to you know? Can I have a little bit more oomph out of the out of the corners? Um, can you give me a little bit more compression? What what uh, what what are the what are the riders doing right now? Well, I'd love to give them more compression, but unfortunately, the rules don't allow us to do that. What basically happens? <laughs> I, I is, meant the shock. I meant the shocks. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so Lincoln and Tim have a kind of a schedule where they'll ride either two days or three days, three to four 15-minute motos each, and every time they go out there, we have onboard data collection systems that that really define everything that's going on. For sure, the rider can say doesn't feel as good or feels good but all manufacturers sleds come so good now you're just trying to get that last five percent out they're all pretty close they're always trying to get that little bit so we'll do that and the shocks is ongoing you know constantly i don't want to call it trial and error but okay let's it's doing this so let's make this adjustment and see if it's better or worse keep a notebook of that because as much technology as you have the, the riders feel for the, especially the way the suspension works is so critical. So that'll go on two days out of the week or three days. And then on their off day, we're doing whole shot testing where it's not, it's given their bodies a chance to recover from doing the motos because it is brutal out there. And we're constantly either doing side by sides or data collection, uh, seeing what difference the snow conditions make the weather. It's just an ongoing trying to get better every single day. Okay, so so two of the, uh, two of the manufacturers that have fuel injection, um, I, I guess there's a, there's probably a lot of talk, you know, now about um, if you guys can remap the uh, the uh, the ignition systems on on the sleds. I guess the rules don't allow it. But do you, as as a as a as a team, can you make a suggestion to Skidoo? And and they can they make a uh, an adjustments to your mapping for um, for your uh, fuel injection or uh, in, uh, ignition. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the software to do it ourselves, and I know they spent two years calibrating, uh, and now with everybody running a spec fuel, you know that all the teams are going to have the same fuel parameters. If we tell them, you know, we think we could use a little more timing on the bottom end or a little bit more fuel in the in the mid-range, they have the ability to make a program, and the cool thing is they can email it to us, and we can download it via the Internet rather than having one of their technicians here with their laptop downloading it through it. So it's a whole technology advancement that, you know, if we want to try something, they'll come up with a mapping. And the tricky part is there's so many layers on that map. You know, there's probably 200 layers. And uh, it's just, it's amazing if people could see the technology involved in a clean burn two-stroke like one of these leads. Yeah, that's, like, like I say, the, the, there's going to be a lot of interest in that uh in that engine this year, uh, because of its uh, close resemblance to the uh, the 850 uh, um, uh, E-Tech motor on the uh, on the production side, and I think uh, everybody has been wanting a, a 600 motor. So this could be a, this could be a good thing that uh, you know in the future for uh, for possible uh, on the production side. Now, Tim and uh, and, and Lincoln, um, how is uh, referring? You know, um, 
you know how their year's been going. But uh, Tim, uh, Tim had an out, outstanding year on on the on the motocross circuit this year. I I, I actually got a chance to uh, watch him a couple times, and he looks really healthy. Uh, and and you know, considering what happened last year with the uh, with his uh, title, uh, he looks he looks and, and sounds pretty motivated. <laughs> he is. You know, we had it was kind of ironic last year. We had the red plate all the way to the last race, and um, leading the race last. And we had a belt broke. The belt never broke all year on us, and it and we ended up losing the championship by uh, 14 points. And it really took, you know, it was a heartbreaker. And uh, so this summer, he really wanted to train hard and focus, you know, towards the snowcross because that is his primary income. Uh, and doing the motocross, huge training. Um, Thank God he didn't get hurt at all because that always scares me when my drivers do motocross in the summer. It's yeah. so easy to get hurt. Um, came out of it strong. Uh, and just being in a competitive environment your own, I believe it helps your mental savvy out on the track when you come back to race motocross because there's going to be such a mental game this year with, you know, all, I want to say all brands are pretty much at par on power. And, and so it's going to be a tight field. And, it's going to separate the men from the boys a lot more. Yeah. How about Lincoln? Uh, I mean, young, you know, very, very, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> energetic young guy. He, he's got to, he's got to be one of the favorites uh, this year. I would think, you know, he had a, he had a great year last year. I mean, the opener last year, the, uh, the Amsoil dominator, he goes out and uh, wins that uh, great start to the year, but he's, he's got to be one of the favorites this year too. And I agree a hundred percent on that. Um, he just, you know, he realizes that he needs to be on his game every single time he goes out there. And and the tricky thing right now in the Ice Hawk series is is the way that the heat point work and the final points work and trying to decide, you know, okay, am I going for a championship or am I going for a race win? Because now with all those sleds being what they want to call equal, you still have that inverted start, and that's going to be a challenge for a guy to come through nine sleds on a sled that's dead even with everybody else. Now, Steve, do you like do you like that inverted start? I I I didn't. I, I thought it, it favored favored uh, one one particular driver, and uh, and and they made a rule change. But I, I think now with the, with the equal equal uh, sleds, um, I, I don't know why they kept that rule the invert the inverted start. I, I you know I think you know the sleds are going to be so close, like you said. You know why not go back to the same old you know lineup as you qualify. And I agree with you 100%. I don't know why they kept it. You know, we also have to remember as much as we just want to be racers, we also have to be entertainers, and we want to put on a good show for the crowd, which I think we've been doing all along. This this is going to make a challenge. You know, you're going to have to make some decisions that do I want to maybe not win my heat races and get a better starting position where I can be on the podium at the end of the race or do I want to collect every point in the heat and believe I'm going to do good in the, in the final so that at the end of the season championship is mine. But I tell you what, come mid-season, that road is going to get split and there's going to be some guys going one way and some guys going the other way. Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't go WWF and uh... – or, or WWE or whatever they call it, and uh, and you know let's 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 race. Let's uh, it's a brand new year, brand new series, brand new class. You know, let's let's get on with it and, and, and do some racing. Hell, you got any more questions? Just uh, with the elimination of the of the uh, open uh, uh, classes, there are more heats this year, like to qualify for the finals, or is that pretty well the same? 
it sounds to me like it'll be the same. You know, one of the, I, I believe one of their goals was by eliminating the pro, pro open class and going with the pro no light class was to try to get more participants. Um, I haven't seen that happen yet. You know, that's their hope is that, that it will you know, allow for additional racers out there. Um, well, there'll still be two rounds of, of racing. <coughs> Excuse me, Duluth usually has probably an additional six to eight pros because a lot of guys from CSRA or um, SCM or East Coast will come out and they'll hit that race and sometimes Jackson Hole because their seasons usually don't start till <coughs> after the holidays. Yep. The, uh, the weather's, weather's been weather's been really good. So um, the track in Duluth, have they started building it? I, I think the track is done already. They, um, it, it's been crazy. It was like we had last Friday, it was negative 7 Fahrenheit here. I don't know what that equates to in Celsius, but the lakes are froze over already in the same in Duluth. And I think they had 17 guns going on the hill for six days straight. Fantastic. Wow. So that's great. Last year when we were there, we got fogged out in the in the Sunday again. I know, and I was bummed about that because we took first and second on Saturday, and we had our and we were rocking down there. And I was like, oh no. Yeah, the sun came out on on uh, on at noon hour <laughs> after everybody packed oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, you know, Duluth is a tough deal with that lake being so close. You know, if I had a chance to pull the plug on that lake, sometimes I would. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how's, how, um, your, your, your team, um, uh, your sponsors this year, same sponsors, Amsoil and, uh, and Air Force? We're incredibly strong. You know, this is our 20th year with Amsoil, our 19th year with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, Ford Trucks and Milwaukee Tools have been with us for seven years now. Uh, we've been partners with Skidoo other than a couple, uh, years in between, almost 30-some years now. So we've got great relationships, and it all boils down to just working hard, you know, and, I just wish that sometimes people don't want to try to help the people that don't work as hard as people that work hard, you know, whether it's in the rules or, or trying to create parity. You know, I'm from old school, and so is my crew, and we just believe, you know, putting your head down and working hard and not expecting handouts, and I think that's been one of the keys to our success. Yeah. Um, Steve Thorson, what, is, what, is, uh, what does he uh, uh, bring to your, uh, to your team? He's so smart. It's crazy. I mean, he's thinking all the time. It's like, just out of the blue, he'll say, you know, I think we should do this. And I was like, that is awesome. And, you know, he's constantly trying to figure out how to make the vehicle better. You know, a lot of the stuff that's on the new race led was from stuff that came out of Aurora, Minnesota. You know, the, the taller spindles, the mechanical power steering, um, the brake system. So much of that stuff was developed right in our shop, and then they kind of refined it for a consumer's life. But, yeah, he's great. He just, you know, he, he's humble. He doesn't want to be in front of a camera. He just wants to figure out a way to be better than everybody else on that vehicle because it's a, it's a personal pride for my mechanics. You know, not only does Lincoln need to beat Cody Cam, Steve Thorson and my crew need to beat Tim Bender or Kirk Hibbert, and there's that fun side of the rivalry, too, and that's why we were bummed a little bit when the mod thread went away because that was a true passion that we all had was to try to, you know, also have the best vehicle besides having the best driver out there. Yeah. 
I mean, well, um, look, look at look at those those uh, those drivers. And, you know, Tim Bender was a, was an ace. You know, uh, you know, at at, uh, at preparing a stock sled. Uh, you know, when he raced, and uh, and, and and you yourself uh, racing the twin trackers, you had to you had to be uh, you had to be on the game yourself. And uh, Steve Thorson also. Um, uh, I don't know if you uh, if you've seen it, but Hal Armstrong just pinned uh, just penned uh, an amazing article in uh, in Snowtech magazine on the uh, on the RXLs and. Uh, um, Steve Thorson is in that uh, in that article. You might want to check that out, Steve. I know you're a big vintage fan. Uh, but uh, Hal, you got any more questions? Uh, just the the new uh, the new track uh, this year uh, in Jackson Hole. What uh, what have you guys uh, heard about it? Is it, is it running right at uh, where they do the uh, the hill climbs? Uh, no, this is actually at, at it's called Snow King Mountain, and I believe it's right in town. I'm not. I've only been through Jackson Hole a couple of times. Um, I truly hope it becomes a great race. I know there were some challenges a couple of months ago that got resolved as far as being there, but I, it would be great. You know, the challenge is Spirit Mountain always managed to pull a race off. Okay, then where do we go in December that can make snow? It's not a ski hill because ski hills are open, or if it is, what do we get access to on and you know, this year we could have gone everywhere with the weather. Whether it was two years ago, this time last year, it was still 65 degrees out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, hope it, I mean, one thing I will say is ISAC does a great job of the live streaming, the promoting of the race, um, the CBS Sports. So, you know, even if the crowd is marginal, they still put on a great show and. I think there's 380,000 people on an average that live stream, so that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice question, Hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That new, that new, uh, that new race in uh, Jackson Hole should be uh, should be good. I mean, that's it, yeah. It is. It is kind of a skier crowd out there, but uh, the surrounding areas they do snowmobile a lot out there and uh, out that way. So um, the biggest thing that I is as far as the success to races, if you can get the town behind it. You know, like, for example, Dubuque, Iowa last year. Everybody's like, we're going to Iowa? <laughs> and that ended up being one of the most successful races because the whole town banded behind it and it helped support it. And when we showed up a week early to do Air Force school visits, everybody knew why we were there and knew, you know, who our drivers were, who we were racing against. So, you know, that's a key wherever you are. And I'm sure you guys experience it there, too. If you have a town that's really helps with the marketing side, just... A big key to making it a success. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. If you can make it like uh, an event leading up to the uh, the races, it uh, that it can put a lot of uh, people in the in the stands for sure. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask a question for Hal because I know it's probably on his list, or if he hasn't forgotten it. But uh, do you do you ever see a, an opportunity to uh, to bring an, an ISOC national into into Canada? You know, they used to have one up at Valcourt. One of the challenges is, is is the laws of U.S. citizens working in Canada and Canada and the U.S. because of the, the visa requirements, and I know that was a challenge. I would love for a Valcourt or something to be an ISOC race. Um, I know there were some issues the last time it happened with um, somebody not getting paid or something. Who knows? But yeah. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. I think that... You know, Valcourt is the only Canadian race I've gone to the last couple of years, and man, there's forty thousand race fans there. That is a cool deal, and they love it. Yeah, I know you've been. Yeah, there. It always it always surprises me because like all the champ teams, Wall Brothers uh, and Stridock, all those all those race teams are coming up to Valcourt. So I, I don't see why the the snowcross teams can't have trouble getting across. 
because it's just a little bit extra work for some of them that they don't want to do. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? If you, you know, I've been crossing the border for 25 years, and if you have your paperwork right, which is pretty simple, there's usually not a problem. And yeah. you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, like we're not bringing a bunch of outlaws. We're going there to race, and and they understand. And it's not that hard. And and I love going up to that area because, like I said true race fans that you know they're in the pits all day they're checking out your machines and they're in the stands no matter what the weather's like i mean those are rare places yeah it's a nice festival yeah, exactly too. Yeah. Yeah. i mean it's got to happen i mean they bring supercross to toronto every year so i mean there's no there's no reason why you know uh, they can't pull it together and, and do it I, i'm surprised that skidoo doesn't insist on it and look at when we used to race inside the Toronto Skydome on indoor series, the crowd you guys would get. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be packed, you know. It'd be 40,000 people in there. Yeah. You know, so I hope it happens. Unfortunately, uh, I, I don't have any control on that. But hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Hal, you ready to talk some vintage with uh, with Steve? <laughs> well, Steve, I, I kind of heard through the grapevine that you're a vintage guy. Do you do you have, do you have any uh, vintage sleds you you collected or? Well, I do. I'll tell you an interesting story. Is one of my last twin trackers that I had. I had uh, I got that restored. I had to actually um, Kurt Crum at Goodwin do most of the work because I don't know how these vintage guys have the time to do all that polishing. I just for the life of me, figure not figure where they get the time. So I also have a, um, I have a 1980 Ar uh, Scorpion Snow Pro. I got an 80 Arctic Snow Pro, and I got one more. Uh, I actually have a twin track with a carbon fiber tunnel on it, the only one ever made. And each year I take them down from the shelf, and in the spring I'm going, okay, I'm going to put this together. And I managed to get like three bolts on it, and then pretty soon it's like October, and I'm like, crap, that didn't work. But I love that vintage stuff, and you know the stories you hear, like even from Steve Thorson, how they made tunnels from sheets of magnesium, and they ran them for a week, and then they threw them away. It was just the stuff that went on back in the '70s and '80s was just insane with yeah. the, you know the investment put in those guys. What the, who, yeah, who, had, who had the who had the uh, carbon fiber uh, twin tracker, Steve? Uh, actually, Fast was the one that made it, and. I don't know who raced it, but I ended up with it. Yeah. Huh. And it, it, it's thick. It's, you know, it probably weighs three times as much as the aluminum tunnel, but it was just kind of a cool factor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Expensive, you know, the too. technology wasn't <laughs> quite there in 87, 88, whenever they made it. But I love that old stuff. And just even that's the other thing I like going to about Valcourt. It's like watching the champ racing because it's like I used to do that and that, and it's so funny the snowcross guys go those guys are nuts and the oval guys look at the snowcross guys go those guys are nuts yeah you know it's just <laughs> a different kind of nuts it's that speed is just amazing yeah for sure yeah do you, do you miss do you miss racing uh steve you know i don't um ever since my brain became a proportionate size with my body it seemed like that having to go out there and do that just uh you know I got to believe it's an age thing because I tried racing go-karts against him and Lincoln. And the only way I could beat him is if I cheated on the start and tried to block him the whole way. And it just, I, I, I enjoy, truly enjoy what I'm doing now from this side. I was fortunate that I did have, you know, a 20 year career of racing and with some success. And, uh, I truly enjoyed that, but it seems like 
I'm glad I quit when I did. Yeah. Well, you, you do it. You do a great job. I, I mean, I, I don't. There, there's there's very few. Uh, Big teams out there that that do the activation that uh, you do with uh, with Ford and the Air Force and uh, Amsoil and uh, you do a fantastic job. But you know anybody watch watching you, uh, you know, you uh, you work hard. Well, I appreciate that, and you know we've created such good relationships with all of our sponsors, and it's truly a treat. I mean, with the Air Force, we're like their number one marketing asset because we go help them get people to join the Air Force, and the same with our other ones. It's like it. Racing and sponsorship is just so much more than a sticker on a snowmobile nowadays. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, Hal, you got another, any more questions? And you know, like, born good luck instead of rich. I mean, you really got to work on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you have to work harder. For, <laughs> you have to work harder for your sponsorship these days uh, with uh, social media. All these companies doing their own their own social media. You know, when when, when you're a, when you're a, a company uh, or a race team uh, sponsoring uh, now, I mean, you have to do that now for these companies, um, and and they expect a lot. Yeah, and, and if you look at all the racing environment, how maybe the stands aren't quite, you know, they always bring up NASCAR. You look at the NHRA races, the, the finals from last week in California, the stands were half full. It's just, it's a trend. It's not Snowcross. It's not NHRA. It's just a, a trend with our social networking going on right now, and we need to figure out as a racing community in every form of racing how do we turn that around and get back to the good old days when everybody came to the race and Un- unplug, you know, unplug, unplug the live streaming? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I get it. It's just you know, yeah, we didn't have like even you know when you guys were younger too, you didn't have social media, and if you wanted to go see who won the race, you went to the race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hal, you got any more questions for Steve? Um, yeah, just maybe. Uh, um, a couple of things, just to touching on on what you had said about the uh, the tracks and that. Um, I, it always kind of amazed me why ISOC or Amsoil couldn't get together that same weekend as Eagle River and pull off like one big, you know, the, the Champs led the Eagle River Derby and, and the Snowcross like they did, uh, you know, in the nineties. Um, was there any talk about that or? You, you know, I think there's always talk. And this is only my opinion. It's you got two promoters that would have to split one receivable, you know, from the state and stuff. And I think that's a little bit of a challenge. You know, that's Eagle River. That's their week to make their basically their whole year of income. And you know, it costs money to bring um, an ISOC series or somebody there. I think that's the biggest challenge. I think you know, Snowcross is very strong and it's been strong for a long time. I think that there's a lot of potential for a great event at Eagle River because I've been going to Eagle River since 1978, I think. And I love the place. Yeah. You know, and I would, I would love it if the, if we did do some racing down there during the world championship, it was, you know, I don't want to say we're second fiddle, which we should have been, but it just, it, it, it was there was a lot of challenges to get both of them in one venue. Yeah, yeah. I guess one of the takeaways when I was uh, chatting with uh, Steve uh, a couple months ago when I did this uh, RXL story, and it was it was funny, and you can tell your racers this too. Like Steve remembers him and Brad Hewling when they showed up at Polaris, and they were like, "Well, where's the sleds?" And they were like, "Well, there's the sleds there," and it was all the magne- sheets of magnesium that we got to make our own machines from scratch. <laughs> 
So on top yeah. of getting ready for the season, they, they had to build these machines too. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different world today. Now you're talking about your sleds. You basically uncrate them and throw the skis on, and uh, you really almost got a race-ready sled, especially for the, the, the riders in, in pro-light and, uh, and back in the old uh, late 70s and that. I mean, you were actually fabricating your machines. So. And I remember when I first got had my team in Snowcross in 1998, we took so much technology from our oval racing, and on a whole shot, we could go in that first corner five sled lengths ahead of everybody else. Now, if you can get two feet, you're doing damn good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, for sure. But uh, All right, Steve, well, I, I uh, really appreciate it. And boy, it sure does sound uh, nice in the background here. We hear those uh, sleds revving in the... In, in the background there it's it's nice to hear some sleds uh you know this time of year so um yeah, yeah and if you guys ever get a chance to come down to Aurora, it's a pretty cool deal you know the town really embraces us having us right in town and, and it's great for the economy and everybody here has got places to eat there's motels in town so it's really a, a perfect spot to have something like this and uh you know, I don't know if it's something to be proud of or ashamed of but we usually have cold weather before everybody else so yeah. <laughs> um or usually the first ones to be open, which helps too. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, Steve, I wish wish you the best of luck. And uh, and uh, how many consecutive years have you won this Amsoil Dominator now? Like you, you got you got a winning streak going on there, don't you? Oh, well, we won it for three years in a row. And last year we did not win it. We won on Saturday. We won the ISAC race. Tim got taken out. Um, there was a driver that kind of ran out of talent and, and <laughs> hit him and knocked him off his sled. Otherwise, it probably would have been four years. Yeah. Um, and and Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln had a win last year. Didn't... Yeah, and uh, that that dominator is a fun race. I mean, it's like it's you better have your poop in a group right away. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, Steve, well, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, you were more than generous with your time, and uh, um, you know, good luck on the good hey, luck on the weekend. Sounds great. Well, thanks again. Yep.